Our times call for an awareness of history that can help our children grow up and make history in answering the call of God on their lives. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Philip Campbell, a beloved Catholic historian. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today's topic is making history with your homeschool history lessons. It's my joy to welcome a great author and a beloved history instructor, Philip Campbell. Let me tell you a little about him before we get started. Philip holds a BA in European history from Ave Maria University and a certificate in secondary education from Madonna University. He teaches history for Homeschool Connections and is the author of the popular Story of Civilization series by Tan Books. He has also authored historical books with the Catholic History Textbook Project, one of my favorites, from, uh, also has worked with Ave Maria Press and ARCS Publishing. That's A-R-X Publishing. He is the founder of Kruiken Hill Press, an independent Catholic press specializing in works of history. Philip is also the host of Faith Matters, a program on Good Shepherd Catholic Radio in Jackson, Michigan. He has appeared on Ave Maria Radio, Guadalupe Radio, EWTN, and many other Catholic media outlets promoting the study of Catholic history. He's a frequent speaker at homeschool conferences around the country. He's also part of his own local histories, having served as the town's mayor for two terms. He lives with his kids in a 1930s farmhouse on five country acres. Please check out Philip's website at philipcampbell.net. I'm going to spell that out for you. It's Philip with two L's. Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L dot net. It's chock full of fascinating resources, even more accomplishments and exciting opportunities to connect with Philip and enjoy his wonderful wit and wisdom. He's a lot of fun. Welcome to the program, Philip. So good to have you here. Thank you. What a, what a nice intro that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm super geeked out because I love the Catholic Textbook Project. I'm really excited about your new work, which we're going to talk about today. Um, you're a very popular instructor at Homeschool Connections, and you've just done so much that is so worthy of all that I feel Catholic families are trying to do, especially in our times. So thank you. Thank mm. you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, an interesting time. But Tell us a little bit, just start us off, Philip, but what got you interested in history and have you always loved it? Yeah, I have always loved it. Um, I don't really, I, I can't even remember when I started getting interested in it. Um, I remember always having, a, like having historical interest from a very young age, like asking questions about what happened and how did things get there and just wanting to know what was going on before I was on the scene, you know? Yeah. And uh, my my mom was in college when I was very little, and I remember she had like history 101 classes for college, and I remember she would bring home her textbooks, and I would like flip through them and look at the pictures and stuff. Um, I always thought it was interesting, and uh, my my study of it just kind of increased uh, over time. I I studied it through high school, and then I just kept studying as a hobby, and then eventually I. Um, you know, when I sorted out what my vocation in life was going to be, that I was going to be an educator, it was like the only logical choice for a, a subject to teach. 
So I've just made it my kind of life's mission to uh, dig into it as much as I can and to facilitate a greater understanding of the world and how we got here and help help me understand myself too, I think. So for me, it's just always been there. It's like a constant uh, companion I've always had as long as I can remember. Mm, so neat. I, for some reason, I'm just getting pictures of you making wooden swords and fighting old battles. Were you that kind of kid? Yeah, I was. I had... Um, I had all sorts of, my, my parents had a lot of land also when, when I was young and we lived by some state land that was all like wilderness up in, uh, in you know, in uh, southeastern Michigan. And I would always go out in the woods and I, I had like a huge arsenal of wooden swords and spears and, you know, homemade. When I was in seventh grade, my my dad helped me build a crossbow and, you know, we, uh, gosh, I was always going to the Renaissance Festival and, oh um, uh, yeah, it was, it, I... I spent lots of times like outside playing history, you know, like uh, pretending I was a warrior or something, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's such good stuff. I mean, some of the just greatest yeah. children's literature out there is just so inspiring. I remember my daughter when she was three years old watching some of the Disney classics where there were, you know, like Sleeping Beauty, where the prince does battle with the dragon. There's so much of that in our real history of the good standing up against the evil, of fighting yeah. for everything that we hold dear. And she was always making swords out of sticks and wanting to fight the bad guys. <laughs> oh, good for her. <laughs> oh, love that kid. She has a black belt in karate now. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so put us in the context of this new book, and and what got you started on creating it? Tell us about it. Yeah, so this this is the book right here. I have a copy in front of me. Um, yeah, it's a it's it's not too too large. A, a a dedicated person could probably finish it in a day or two. Um, so the Catholic Educator's Guide to Teaching History came together uh, really last year because uh, I kept getting I kept getting all these questions from parents. Uh, about various aspects, parents and students, I'd get um, I'd get questions like, "Oh, like, do you have any tips for memorizing dates, or uh, or um, how do I take notes in history class?" Um, a lot of emails from parents over the years about a scope and sequence, like kind of, you know, well, we have four years to plan history in high school. What classes should we take? And then probably the most common question I get that I hated getting all the time was like, can you recommend any res any other resources, you know? And uh, I hated getting that question because there's just so many resources and it's impossible to summarize. And I always, I always would respond like, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> you know, I I'm the history teacher, but I don't really know. I can't off the top of my head think of all these resources. And then there'd be other homeschool moms out there that would, I mean, God bless them. They do the footwork and they'd put together like, here's 50 books on ancient history, you know, that can go with a, a history class. And I was like, wow. So I was getting all these questions. And uh, I think I said in a Facebook group, I said, I should just write this all down. And all these moms were like, please do. <laughs> so, so I did, I, I, I went through just, uh, I, I looked at some of my own historical essays that I'd done addressing some of these questions, um, compile a lot of resources that I've come across, tips from my own teaching career, uh, 10 years teaching in a live classroom. And then uh, I'm now in my 11th or 12th year in homeschool connections in a wow. virtual classroom. Um, so just, uh, I kind of like lumped it all together. What I think is the the core 
the the philosophical and practical core of the Philip Campbell method that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I tossed it in this book. And so now hopefully the uh, the parents have something that will be helpful and uh, to go by. And of course, I'm still going to get the emails. So that's fine. But, you know, now mm-hmm. I can send them a link to a book too. <laughs> okay, great. So these are all the questions us moms and dads are dying to ask you when our kids get all lit up about history in your classes. Or when I, you're, I te- so. or when I mean, you're speaking at a homeschool conference or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say these are the most important things. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So great. So this is something we all need on our shelves. This is going to be a really good guide, a place to go to get our questions answered. That's fantastic. So I think uh, so. Ma- uh, Ma- Maureen Whitman has, um, <clears throat> she has a, a great book called for love of literature that uh, is the, is like the resource to go to for people who are trying to teach homeschool through a literary method, um, through, through literature. Uh, it's, uh, it's got so many resources and it's, everybody has it. I'm hoping this will be that sort of book for history where when people are like, what are the history resources I need? How do I do this? How do I get my kid to memorize 20 dates? You know, like, (laughs) I hope that this book will be a similar go-to. Oh, that's so much fun. It, It really does make us feel, you know, less intimidated to have a guide like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So history as a subject, why is it yeah. important that we make the effort and perhaps in our times, why now more than ever? Uh, that's what I tackled in the first chapter, just why is this an important subject, you know, and people will, people will leap to very practical considerations like, well, you know, if we, if we don't know history, then we will keep repeating the errors of the past, you know, or uh, we, we need to be able to recognize what's going on in our world so we can confront it. <clears throat> and those are all valid. Um, those are all valid reasons. Obviously a lot of bad things have happened in history and uh, you know, human nature doesn't change. So there's certain patterns to how things unfold. History doesn't really repeat itself, but it there's similarities that keep happening throughout time. So to be aware of historical patterns, that's very valuable to interpreting what's going on in our own day. But I also don't really view, uh, I don't know, I don't view history as something that we're condemned to, (laughs) to repeat the errors of. Uh, There's a lot of great things in history too. A lot of things I'd like to repeat if we could. Um, So I think that's only part of the picture. Um, History, uh, for the ancient Greeks and Romans, it was part of the seven liberal arts. Um, history even had its own muse. The Greeks had nine muses for, um, for uh, things that required inspiration. The muses were goddesses of inspiration. And the muse of history was Clio or Cleo. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Cleo, the proclaimer, the one that proclaims the things that have, that have come to, uh, to pass. Um, so, but... History was lumped together with things like art, poetry, music, and things like that, which is very much not uh, not in the realm of like the pragmatic or practical. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a discipline that they thought was going to make you a buck, you know, or or keep the lights on in the house. You know, they lumped it together with poetry, uh, art, artistic endeavors. It was a it was a creative endeavor, um, and the reason for this, I, I've reflected on it and read a lot about it. Um, Cicero has an excellent, um, uh, excellent quote. He says, 
To be ignorant of what occurred before you were born is to remain always a child. For what is the worth of human life unless it is woven into the life of our ancestors by the records of history? And I started thinking, if someone if someone has complete amnesia, like if, if you or I were to wake up and lose our memory of everything that happened before us, we would effectively lose our identity if we lost our memory. Um, because a person who doesn't know where they have been does not know who they are, right? So in a sense, we would be like, a. that's why Cicero says we're like a child if we don't know where we've been. Um, so historical study beyond the practical or reasons for it beyond the societal value of having an educated population, citizens that know their own country's history and their people's history. There's a very intimate kind of character development that comes with learning history that has to do with helping us understand our own selves better, helping us understand um, human nature better. It's like an enrichment of our own personhood that helps us get down to our roots. Aristotle says that, um, the, the, the fundamental definition of a human being is that humans by nature desire to know the causes of things, right? When we, that's, that's what underlies all science, right? We, we see a comet in the sky and the ancient astronomers said, wow, what is that? You know, or they saw two stones that magnetized together and they didn't understand. And they said, why does it do that? You know, human beings desire to know the ultimate causes of things. And history is very much in that same vein. We, we see, you know, um, you know, we see it when ancient, ancient stone wall or a beautiful building. And we just say, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, what, what were the people before me doing? So I think it, it ties in with, you know, it ties in with the human desire to know, uh, in general, and in a very particular way, it's a way of, it fits in with the liberal arts, those, those disciplines that we study for the purpose of not learning how to make a buck, but, uh, enriching our own, personhood that they teach us how to think, how to, uh, how to process where we've been as a, a country or, or a race of uh, beings on this earth. So it's of immense value. Um, are you going to get rich studying it? No, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, it's the same reason why we read a good book or watch a good movie. You know, um, it, it, it helps, uh, it helps ennoble us, I guess, to know these things. Oh Yeah. And I feel like, you know, so many of us homeschool partly because in our times, historically, there's a lot less of this deep reading and reflecting happening. The pace of society, the, the digital distractions, um, the formation that the generation that is rising to power has had of, you know, kind of Marxist indoctrination in the universities, things like that. There's this movement away from thinking and reflecting of having that context for understanding ourselves, our capabilities, our human tendencies, even the things that we can reflect on with pride, the things that have gone before us that we have managed to build or overcome. Um, a, a wonderful lady that I had on the podcast at the end of the last season, Annabelle Mosley, talked about how her kids were really upset by the pandemic and she showed them a picture of their grandma. And, and uh, he was always smiling and she talked to them about grandma and how wonderful and what a happy person she was and got them to talk about how, what a wonderful and happy lady she was. And then said, well, she went through the Spanish flu, World War I, World War II, you know, like she went through all the massive, like disruptive 
disastrous <clears throat> times that she and her family had endured, and yet emerged right. this happy, strong, beautiful soul. And so it gave her children courage. I was so impressed by yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's a very moving story. Um, and I definitely uh, agree with what you said about like historical historical literacy is so bad right now. Um, it's for the reasons you said there's ideological reasons why uh, it's good to, or, or not good, why the uh, the people in charge think it's good to detach uh, detach people from their their historical heritage. Uh, because, like I said, if if you don't have your if you don't have your history, you're like a blank slate, really. Um, and you can uh, you can kind of wipe out culture and tradition and remodel it on your own, you know, on your own vision. But just like what you're saying too, the digital aspect of things, everything is so, uh, you know, it's so quick. Something that that happened nine months ago is already, you know, old news. You know. So what value does a person having in reading something that was like a thousand years ago, you know, to how is that a value to their life when they have a hard time staying constant with things that just preceded us? You know, everything is just moving from one thing to the next uh, very, very quickly. Uh, so to to learn history is to, to learn history is really to go against the grain right now, um, uh, to go against the grain of how contemporary society is is just structured. I think that's what makes it so rewarding. Like I always feel like I'm doing, uh, doing uh, something like revolutionary by sitting in and reading a book all night, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, to take in this information. And uh, it's yeah. like, it's like, no, I'm not going to just watch Netflix. I'm going to, going to read this history book. And, you know, it, it almost feels like a, uh, yeah, like a, like a secret revolutionary act. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Revolutionary. I was watching something. I forget the name of the company, but it's pretty interesting. Maybe I'll throw it in the show notes. It's a little animated stop motion review of what happens when tyrants rise to power and the conditioning of the population. So it was a good quick little mm -hmm. history lesson with a lot of good references in it. And it gives you the sense that there's a pattern to things. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of the things that we can notice. But another thing that you mentioned uh, when you were talking about it so lovingly, this idea of oh, and one of the things that was in that that made me think of it was they said that the way to fight against a tyrant, there's two ways. One is to have little sort of parallel cultures within the culture that are doing things differently, that other people mm -hmm. can see and they can be reminded that things can be different. It doesn't have to be as the powers say it must be. The other thing is yeah. to mock what is hypocritical and, and to use humor. Um, so mm. in the context of how we can bring an environment of that kind of cultural awareness, um, what's good about our culture, what we can hold on to even when others are tearing it down. Um, tell us a little bit about what it is like to teach in the home. What are some of our challenges and, and you know, gird us for the, for the battle here? <laughs> yeah, well, homes, homeschooling really is a parallel culture um, outside the, the mainstream culture. And this is really how Christianity became established to begin with. Christians were a parallel subculture within the larger Roman culture that eventually became the dominant, uh, the dominant culture. So um, we're standing in a long tradition of, of things Christians have done to avoid uh, having to participate in a, in a, in a system that, that, they, that we have regarded as morally compromising. So, um, yeah, uh, 
when you homeschool history, you really get the uh, you really get the opportunity to go outside what your kids would get in a you know in a public school uh, or even a private school that's kind of anchored to the public curriculum. Um, the public history curriculum isn't terrible. It's just that it's too abbreviated. It's too much focused on just U.S. history. World history is just smushed in. Um, not enough. Uh, you barely get to study anything in detail unless you're taking like AP U.S. history or something like that. Um, there's a great uh, there's a great urgency to fit in certain courses and stuff before you graduate. Um, and the the historical study doesn't really begin in earnest until the upper grades, until like seventh eighth grade. Um, so I think when you homeschool, you get a greater chance to go into a lot more depth and study these things um, with way more um, way more attention than you would in a public school. And that just connects us to our history so much more. Like in public school, you might spend, um, you know, you might spend one or two days talking about something like the Reformation. Whereas, uh, you know, at Homeschool Connections, for example, I have a semester long class on it, you know, where we spend the whole semester studying that period alone. Um, in, in, high, in public high school, you, you know, you're not going to be able to load up with too much history because they're going to say, well, you need your, you, you still need to get all this math in, you need to get this, you only have so much room. It, when you're homeschooling, it's like you can do as much as you want. I mean, it depends on your state's requirements for reporting, if any. Michigan's the Wild West. We don't have any requirements, so we do whatever we want. Awesome. But, uh, you know, you want to you wanna spend, you know, I, I have three semesters of ancient, actually four, four semesters of ancient history. So if you wanted, you could spend literally two years studying just ancient history in my courses, and you could still take other courses also, you know. So I love the flexibility that homeschooling gives to be like, we're going to craft our own curriculum based on our own interests and uh, kind of our own formation. And that's really what's, I mean, that's what education should be, be uh, get more reattached to, like, what is the kid interested in? You know, um, if the kid wants to study more history, then let's, let's dive into it. If we want to um, do something very specified, we can, you know, and I love that when you're homeschooling, you can do things like go on field trips and you know, you could, you know, instead of sitting home and looking at a book or watching a PowerPoint, you could be like, okay, we're going to actually go out and look at the the Indian mounds or do whatever, visit Philadelphia and <clears throat> see the Revolutionary War sites. It, it just helps so much to uh, to attach the, the student more. And of course, as Catholic homeschoolers, it can be integrated with everything else we're doing. You know, if we're, if we're studying medieval history, we can integrate it with different saints that we're learning about who have various, uh, you know, lessons for our spiritual life. We can integrate it with literature. We could do kind of a whole subject curriculum where the whole, the whole semester is built around that time period. And we can do almost like a, I guess, a full immersion education experience where we're living and breathing the middle ages for that semester, you know, and, and that's a real neat experience. Mm. So I just think, I just think the possibilities really uh, dance circles around what you're going to get in a government institution uh, where everything is administrative and bureaucratic and focused on meeting standards and, you know, uh, assessments and things like that. It's just going to speak to the pers- the child's personal development way more, and it's going to be way more uh, in the image of the sort of education you want to give. And so I think that's really good for what you were saying about those parallel societies within the culture 
you know, if, if the broad, the culture at large is trying to practice massive historical revisionism or erasing the memory of our history or trying to tell us what narrative we should fit our history into, it's really helpful then to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to have a way to buck that and, and be like, no, we're going to do something different that doesn't doesn't take us down that <laughs> that path. So mm. I just think it's just a, a great option. Mm. One of the things I love about, <clears throat> excuse me, the Catholic textbook project is that there are times in history when major figures came together in churches to pray before a big battle, or there were yeah. orders of nuns, you know, that were dedicated to praying for a particular, you know, an, you know, some kind of uh, repelling an offensive or something like that. Like there were just so many things in the and they're so colorful and beautiful to look at. But the stories really came to life for me and my daughter because and for other kids, because I was part of a co-op at the time. Um, just the way history, when it's woven together honestly, can show us our Catholic history, our human history, our political history, uh, our cultural history, so much that we can become aware of our own agency in creating future history, right? Our own participation in it. Yeah, I think that's one of the great, uh, one of the awesome things. And I talk about that in my second chapter about teaching history to different age groups, where I say, here's how you teach it to elementary school. Here's how you teach it to middle school. With elementary school in particular, you teach history in a way that's person centric because kids identify with people most. So you do it through uh, introducing them to historical characters, you know, and learning about their lives. And that helps that really one of the benefits of that is it helps young people to see like, wow, these people were very much like me. They had their own struggles, their own. I mean, even if they wore different clothes or whatever, you know, they had their own challenges to face. They had their own decisions to make. And they were part of this great tapestry of history. Uh, and, and like you said, recognizing our own agency and things, that's really important too. I think people who have a lively historical consciousness are going to be much more aware of their own agency than people who don't. People who don't very much just kind of view themselves as passive passive uh, instruments and in kind of something, that, a river that's just moving them along, you know, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, uh, probably not the best approach. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Beautiful. It's, it, it makes me think as a mom too, <clears throat> when we look at our history, we need to look at it warts and all, right? Our, our current historical tendency is to over highlight what was negative and blow it way out of proportion and make it a death sentence for the rest of us. Like we made these mistakes, this is who we are, but we would never do that to a child, hopefully in a healthy environment, yeah. right? We, we look at what we learn from where we made mistakes so that we can make tomorrow even better. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that includes uh, that includes mistakes that that Catholics have made. You know, we don't have to. I was just talking about using homeschooling to counter the the prevalent ideology. I mean, that doesn't mean that we just replace it with our own ideology that that whitewashes everything. You know, obviously, we want to fully embrace and acknowledge whatever dark spots we have on our own history. Um, that's the only way to to really come to terms with things or to integrate things into our historical consciousness. We can't pretend that, uh, that bad things didn't happen or try to just explain them away. Best we can do is just take a very balanced view and say, yeah, this was the past. 
everybody makes their own decisions in their own time. And uh, some of these decisions were great and other ones were terrible. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and hopefully, like you said, we learn from them. And uh, but the important thing about studying history is understanding historical times and people as they understood them, not as we think we should judge them and uh, and uh, view them, you know. Uh, we want to, you know, when I study ancient Sparta, for example, I want to know how the Spartans viewed themselves, what they were thinking, yeah. what they believed. I, it doesn't really matter what I believe about the Spartans beyond my own personal opinion. I want to know, I want to understand them in their context. I want to understand American history and it's, you know, I want to know how people at the Revolutionary War thought, not what I think about what they thought, you know. Ooh, so, great distinction. And, and the same thing with yeah, and the same thing with Catholic history, you know, when I when I study a pope or some saints or something going on in the church's history, I want to understand what was motivating those people at that time. I don't just want to form an opinion for the purpose of using it in some like contemporary punching bag sort of where I can hit somebody with a fact to try to make a point that I care about, you know. So, hmm. uh and, and I see so much of that all over the place, you know. History really needs to be studied for its own sake, just because, you know, just so we can be educated, so we can understand. That's why it's a liberal art. We study it for its own sake. Mm, beautiful. All right. So to take us out, why don't you say a little more about resources in the book and anything else that you'd like to leave us with, Philip? Yeah. So and say the title of the book again, please. <laughs> oh, the book is the the Catholic Educator's Guide to Teaching History. Mm. And you're going to put an Amazon link, I think, uh, on the on the post so Absolutely. people can get it. It's just right out, right on Amazon. It's a it's a short book, uh, very reasonably priced. Um, there's a lot of resources in here. I give a lot of I give a lot of I mean, I got into some theoretical stuff. Why should we learn history? How do I you know uh, what does it mean to teach history as a Catholic? But some of the resources how to memorize dates at different age groups. Like if I want to get my elementary schoolers to memorize dates or if I want my high schoolers to memorize dates and, um, and not just that, but, uh, but lists of the dates that should be memorized. So I gave, uh, ah. people say like, what dates should I memorize? Well, here's a, here's a big huh. list of dates that you should memorize. Um, so, uh, memorization dates and strategies. I have a whole chapter on how to teach history at different age groups, elementary, middle, and high school. And that includes, uh, pedagogy, uh, that includes resources, that includes course materials, assignments, activities, um, instructional method, um, I got all that in there. I do have, it says on the front includes reading lists because that's what all the, <laughs> that's what all the moms email me about. So I have, I have like 20 pages in here of just, you know, lists of books. Um, I have grading rubrics, uh, for, um, for when you are grading, um, kind of questions like how do I grade a historical essay? How do I grade a present poster project? You know, how do I wow. put together something like that? So I have examples of how to structure those assignments and rubrics for how to grade them. Um, so there, there's a lesson on how to deliver a lecture, like how to, how to deliver a history lecture. Um, there's a, a chapter on how to take notes uh, for, for you and your student to understand what's the best way to take notes in a history lecture how to highlight important information, you know, so uh, it's just full of resource on everything that I have thought is important for putting together a successful history course. It even tells you if you're teaching online, 
I got a brief rundown on the do's and don'ts of making a PowerPoint. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Um, I just think this has everything that you, you need, at least all the, the, the major points. Oh my gosh. I feel like yeah. this is going to take down a lot of the fear that we have because this past year, obviously, a lot of people are new to homeschooling. It's a, they feel initially like they're in the wilderness, but there's so much help and support. There's you at Homeschool Connections, and I highly recommend Philip's courses. Your kids will really enjoy these courses, get lit up. He's kind of famous for it. And, um, and look at his books, look at this new resource. Uh, really, um, this is such an opportunity for us to let go of any intimidation we might have and to start to enjoy history with our children. Yeah, the last thing we want is for it to be boring and dull. And uh, I mean, this is, our, this is our collective identity, you know, so... We don't want to be. We don't want to teach it in a way that is uh, that that makes kids be like, "Oh, history." <laughs> I mean, that's that's the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, my godchild, uh, who's a young woman in her thirties now, um, she and she married a young man uh, who grew up in in the wilds of Ontario in Canada, and he grew up play acting with all his brothers, fourteen kids. Uh, wow. building log cabins and reenacting battles and you know on their land and so it sounds like you guys would get along that's the <laughs> that, that's the sort of people we want <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly raised by two country lawyers yeah right. and i love uh just to wrap it up i, I the amount of parents and students at, at homeschool connections who have come back to me over the years and said uh you know, my, my daughter hated history and then I took your class and now she loves it. You know, that's wow. great. Um, and I'm really glad that I can just turn people on to this, uh, this subject. Um, so hopefully this, this book will just help spread the flame, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much, Philip. This has been a ton of fun. And I know yeah. it's really going to be important to a lot of families. And and God has his eye on everything that we do and the future heroes who will be born from this awareness of our own potential as children of God in the context of all that has come before us. And um, just I really do see it in that big picture sense that what we do really matters. It does. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.